Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark, Episode 14. Debbie had been nervous about meeting Mr. Marshall on Saturday. She tried hard to seem calm and as if nothing was wrong. A few times, though, throughout the week, she'd wondered if maybe she was overdoing it. In fact, she'd noticed Nathan looking at her funny once or twice. Her cover was set, though. Everything was in place. The story about the library seemed to be working well. No one had questioned her. Except for the strange, maybe even slightly suspicious glances from Nathan, she had covered her little problem well. Something was wrong, though. That was the purpose of her meeting with Mr. Marshall. She trusted him, and she wanted to get his input and his advice before she started the process of telling Nathan and his parents what it was she had to say. What she mainly needed was advice on how to say it. That had to be taken care of first. Then she'd need to figure out what to do. Hopefully she had some advice about that too. She was counting on it. After all, he was one of the first people that she felt she could confide in. This situation was very personal and very sensitive. She'd known for almost two weeks now the devastation she had felt the first time she had gone through the enormous task of getting to Walgreens without anyone noticing and then doing the early pregnancy test was still with her. Even when she repeated the entire process, praying that there had been a mistake and trying to convince herself that everything would be okay, didn't seem to help her devastation. It only made it worse. She felt the weight of the problem in every pore of her body and into her soul. This was serious, very serious. Debbie knew when it happened. The night they'd spent at the house alone, supposedly looking for mementos and keepsakes before the house was sold and all of its contents along with it, they were going to have a keepsake all right. While waiting for the hours to pass on Saturday, she stayed calm. Sitting on the patio with Nathan was making things more difficult, but she still focused on making her appearance seem unaffected by what she was going through. Bought for relaxation right down to her clothing. Even though it was slightly cool outside, the bare feet she was tucking under her crossed legs seemed to her to be a nice touch. Once Nathan left, she was off to get ready. Mrs. Calhoun was already getting ready to drop her off at the library. She quickly changed and brushed her hair. She dabbed on the slightest amount of perfume and within 10 minutes of Nathan's leaving to go over to his friend's Jason's house, she transformed herself from sloppy casual to more appropriate dress. She tried not to engage in too much conversation with Mrs. Calhoun on the way to the library. The lies she told seemed to get more twisted and larger every time she opened her mouth. What subjects are you most behind on? What will you be working on most today? What are you working on today in biology? How about math? Will you be able to get caught up today? Mrs. Calhoun's questions were only out of concern. She was trying to help in a motherly way 
It was the word today, though, that was making answering the questions rough. There wouldn't be any studying done today, but in order to keep things going, she was going to have to lie to every one of those questions. It was hard for her, but she really felt like she had to do it. Then there was the issue of the ride home. The plan was that she was going to call and tell Mrs. Calhoun that a friend would bring her home. The story would be that she ran into a friend from school who had a car. She would use Mr. Marshall's cell phone and use call block to make sure nothing showed on Mrs. Calhoun's phone. It was all planned out, but another big web of lies she was spinning. She thought about the No Doubt song, Spider Webs. Now she really understood. A web spun with good intentions was still a web and would eventually catch something. She was glad to be dropped off at the library. Clutching her books across her chest, she jogged in and was relieved that her time with Mrs. Calhoun was over with. The hard part was over. There wouldn't be any more lies now. She could talk to Mr. Marshall without having to hold anything back. No need for spider webs now. He would understand. They would put their minds together and try to come up with a solution. He was so smart. He'd know how to handle the situation. Surely he'd know what to do. He arrived at the library to pick her up right on time. Good. Now the mess was on its way to being solved. She liked seeing Mr. Marshall away from school like this. She felt really relaxed and confident as he joked with her about how devious she was. He wasn't serious, but she couldn't help but think that there was really something to what he was saying. You know, devious. It's not a funny word when it applies. He was wearing his Levi's and a white long sleeve t-shirt with some sort of strange design that said something about a 10K fun run. The Nikes he was wearing looked brand new. Simple white running shoes with a blue swish. He pushed his glasses up on his nose as they took off and the slightly cracked driver's size window caused his longish hair to feather back in the wind. They arrived fairly quickly at the Starbucks and parked. They went inside and ordered. They found a nice table with nobody else around. Then, somewhat awkwardly, Marshall, or Mr. Miller as the students called him, reached in his back pocket, pulled out his wallet, and from the wallet pulled a picture and set it on the table in front of Debbie. The picture jumped out at her like someone trying to surprise her with a ghostly boo on Halloween. The kind of shock reserved for surprise parties where there's an initial surprise that causes someone to jump. Then everyone gets a good laugh. Tingles like those felt when one's arm or leg is asleep pricked her body from head to toe as goosebumps sprouted like mountain ranges on her arms. The previous meaningless chit-chat was over. What do you see, Debbie? He asked. She continued to stare at the picture. 
After a long pause, she asked, Is this your wife? Was, he replied. It was almost like he liked the cold correction. I'm sorry, you know what I mean. Debbie's face blushed with a combination of anger and embarrassment. She of all people should have known how a comment like that can hurt. Marshall leaned forward. You didn't answer my question, he said. What do you see? Debbie remained silent at first. Was what she was thinking going to sound inappropriate or insensitive? She thought on it for a second and carefully crafted her words as she spoke. She's very beautiful, she started. Marshall nodded. He crossed one leg over the other as he leaned back and steepled his fingers. A slight smile appeared on his face. He indicated to her from his gaze that he wanted her to go on. So she did. Her hair is very pretty, Debbie started. It looks as long as mine. Actually, she sort of looks like me too, said Debbie. There's no doubt about it, said Marshall. That she does. She looks just like you. Debbie was actually feeling a little more comfortable now with the conversation. She was much more at ease seeing that Marshall was comfortable with it as well. She knew firsthand what it was like to talk about the death of someone deeply loved when that was the last thing you wanted to talk about. There she was in the Starbucks, sitting across from her favorite teacher, still clutching the picture. She was pregnant, you know, blurted out Marshall. We already knew it was going to be a girl. We had already started picking out baby things and baby furniture. We had even started painting their room. Mr. Miller's emotion went flat. It was strange for Debbie to see him that way. He was always so upbeat and positive in his role as Mr. Miller. But as Marshall, just plain old Marshall, he appeared to be on the verge of tears. I'm sorry, Marshall. I didn't mean to upset you. Debbie's feelings were turning inward about her own condition and her emotions were starting to turn south as well. This might be a good time to tell him and ask for his advice, but then again, he seemed a little preoccupied with thoughts about the past and a future that could have been. Debbie knew those torturous thoughts, too. She glanced back at the photo. She brought it closer to her face. The girl Misty's brown eyes made Debbie feel like she was looking in the mirror. Her hair was loosely braided and kept in front of her body just like Debbie was known to do ever since she was little. Strangely, the last braids of her hair were tied off tightly with a purple ribbon that touched her waist. Debbie often used purple ribbons to tie her hair too. Our daughter would be three now, blurted Marshall. Debbie smiled and nodded. We were going to name her Summer. He continued, do you like that name? Yeah, it's very pretty for a little girl, answered Debbie. I picture her with a daisy in her hair and a white dress, said Debbie, smiling. Me too, 
he said, and then looked away. It must have been very hard for you. I'm sure it's still hard for you, too, said Debbie. Some days, yes, it is, he responded. It's so bizarre how much she looks like me. I know, I've thought about that a lot, too, said Marshall. Debbie finally put the picture down. Does it get any easier, she asked. Some days, he grinned. Then other days, it still hurts. I try to look for ways to, I don't know, get that back, that feeling that she and I had being together. There was an awkward pause. Then Debbie asked, have you found a way to do that? I'm working on it now, he said coldly. Debbie wondered what it was that he could possibly mean. She figured that maybe he was working on getting past the death of his wife and daughter and getting on with his life. But the way he said it, or maybe it was the tone of his voice that raised the question as to what he really meant. Well, there are some quick fixes, he said. Like what, she asked. Let me know because I really haven't found one yet. Oh, yeah, you have, he said. I've smelled it on you several times, Debbie. He stood, reached into his right front pocket, and pulled something out. She couldn't tell what it was. He sat and then tossed the mysterious item onto the table in front of them, right there in the middle of the Starbucks. It was a plastic sandwich bag. In the bag, she could see a package of zigzags in the bright orange dispenser. There was also about four fingers worth of shake, stems, and seeds. Along with the shake were four large buds with that familiar olive green color. Debbie had always guessed that Marshall partied, just like he had always known it about her. It was obvious. How did he know what he was smelling when he smelled pot smoke in her hair? She had always thought that this was his giveaway. She had also thought that it was cool, that he was educated, good-looking, and he partied. Now that she was sitting face-to-face -face with him, it seemed much different. The coolness was gone. It seemed to be replaced by a strangeness that she couldn't describe. It was something that seemed to cross a line. The line was hard to describe, but he was crossing it. Debbie blushed. She didn't quite know what to say. Shall we partake? he asked. What was she supposed to say? No, that wasn't going to happen. The grass did look good. The little lines of gold thread running through the buds she quickly recognized as high-quality weed. Why not, she stated. I love to get high, he stated flatly. I stopped for a long time after Misty died, though I started up again. I just don't see where it hurts anyone, he said. You know what I mean? They chatted about the stupidity of marijuana laws as they sipped their lattes. The talk was light, but the mood was strange. His personality seemed to shift to something different. She saw him in a way she'd never seen him before. 
He seemed to be babbling on about pot laws, but the thoughts seemed to not make any sense. It wasn't just that, though. No, this was something different. This was something coming from her conscience. It was something inside of her that was making her very uneasy and uncomfortable. It was a dark feeling. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark. I'm Rodney Mathers. So long for now.